Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Water Trio podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm joined by my dear friends and colleagues, Kelly and Alicia. So we are going to be outlining a few of the highlights for the fortnight between the 31st of August through until the 13th of September. So how are you both? Good? Yep. Loving the summertime. Yeah, awesome. So a couple of the highlights. So what are we going to start with today, uh, girls? I think it might be the uh, lunation of the Pisces full moon. So you're going to talk about that one, Alicia? Kelly, we're 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 all, we'll all talk about We're the full moon. Yeah. We'll all talk about the full moon. We're going to be mutable. Pisces kick off this one. I did we're wear a mutable. blue top in honour of the full moon in Pisces. I was like, blue in September. I was like, full moon in Pisces. Let's do this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. So the full moon is happening around 10 degrees of Pisces. It looks like it's going to be on the evening of September 1st. Like if you're in the eastern time zone in the US, it's going to technically be early in the morning on the second, but if you're in the Pacific time zone in the US, it's going to be late on the first. If you're in Australia, it's going to be the second. Um, If you're in Europe, it'll be the second as well. So it's like, it's that evening of like September Mm. 1st going over to September 2nd. Uh, Full moon in Pisces. What great things can I say about this? No. Uh, it's, I do love the full moon in Pisces in the middle of Virgo season because it does create an opportunity to kind of slow down, to chillax a bit, to maybe pull back from all the doing that happens in Virgo season. Like the sun in Virgo can be very productive and really make you keep busy and, and do all the things. And the full moon in Pisces, it's not exactly conjunct Neptune, but of course it's close-ish to the planet Neptune, uh, which is also in Pisces. So we're going to get that sense of wanting to take a break, maybe needing an escape or a slowdown or a chance to kind of maybe just pause. It's all the Pisces things. It's feeling things. It's intuiting things. It's being overwhelmed at times with how you feel or how much is going on. And that's where that slower pace, you know, maybe some quiet time away from busy deadlines can be really important under the full moon in Pisces. Uh, Be a great full moon for things like meditation. If you need to like get in touch with your emotions or even do some healing or let go of some emotional baggage, this full moon kind has that lovely, gentle, oh, let, let's let it out. Um, Lise, you had made a beautiful point about how the full moon is in aspect to Uranus as well, which I was really interested to hear more about, um, if you have any thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm just having a quick look at the chart of it right now, actually. And yeah, because Uranus, this is happening at 10 degrees Pisces and you've got Uranus at 10 degrees of Taurus. Taurus. So So let's quickly treat our listeners, anyone watching on YouTube, I'm just going to put that chart on the screen while you talk, Leish. And I just feel it's that sense of, you know, we talked a lot in the last episode about how sometimes Virgo can overdo the data. It can overdo the analysis. It can get too far into this. So I always see the full moon in Pisces is that chance to weigh anchor and kind of go with the flow for just a couple of days. Like you were saying, Kel, you know, kind of get out of ticking all the lists and and, uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and actually get into some flow with things. But with that Uranus there, there's this sense of what is it that you need to change about you 
to make this something that you do regularly, that you do all the time, that you bring Mm. that rest in, that relaxation in. So it's not just for a one-off event that happens once a year, but it's something that you regularly do, regularly nourish and support yourself with is by taking that time out, by taking that space. And I link Pisces a lot with creativity, but that kind of creativity that comes when you push back the space so that you become a vessel for something else to pour into. It's that sense that ideas don't come from us. They come from something higher somewhere else. But with when you're busy doing all the things, it can't drop in. So it's almost like, I don't know, there's this, the Uranus brings the mental but Pisces brings the felt. And so you get, you're able to intuit on two levels under this, this full moon. I think what you're saying about the overwhelm is real. Um, you know, full moons are emotional as they are, but in water signs, it's usually extra. So I don't know, like allow the space for emotions to come to the surface, you know, watch the sad movie, um, Big blue is always one that makes me cry that I like to put on to kind of allow the tearjerkers to come in. But just making that space and seeing what's comforting and how you can really build rest into your routine is something that this full moon can be about. And that means you're having to release expectations on yourself of, okay, who should I be? What should I do to be seen as, I don't know, it's that you don't have to work hard to be a good person kind of thing. Anyway, what about Oh, that's like the Pisces mantra. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Cass, you you Pisces is important in your chart too. Yeah, it's an angle. Um, I think, you know, I like that you brought up the Uranus aspects. I think that's really important because that takes the edge off things. And what I like about this combo is that you can combine your intuition, the Pisces full moon, with instinct, which is the Uranus component. And um, and that can, you know, lead you somewhere or take you somewhere that might like defy some logic or reason but feels really good. And I also really do like the idea of, um, you know, setting yourself up for this in the future as well, because sometimes when you take that sudden break or that sudden rest and you realize, oh man, I really needed that. I need Mm -hmm. to do this more often, you know, like whether it's just a, I know what, you know, what I'm craving personally is just to have like one night or two nights, even if it's just to go down the Gold Coast or stay in the city in Brisbane is about as far as we're allowed to go right now. But, you know, even if it's just a little bit of a change of scenery and, you know, it can just be the real small things and it's almost like that real soulful rest or change that you didn't know you needed and then you're like, oh, man, I need to do this more often. So, um, you know, I think that can be really positive or really helpful for for you as well and just to take that kind of breath and space from the busyness, um, and just, yeah, allow that, yeah, that combo of intuition and instinct and let that be your, your guide through that sort of overwhelm or uncertainty is maybe not rely on the Virgo, the logic and trying to like, in, you know, sort things out. It's just like, this feels good. I'm going to do it or I'm going to go for it and not really think it through too much and just allow, yeah. allow the feel to be the guide there. So Mm. It could be just like a, a touch exciting, not like in drama exciting, but it's like, oh, 
this is really great. Like rather than just rest, rest, it's just maybe a bit more exciting or active potentially. So yeah, it's yeah, like that recalibration that comes out when you take yourself out of your habitual, you know, go on that mm. holiday, have that break, and then you like, okay, I want to approach things in a really new way. Mm. Um, yeah, I like that, Cass. Yeah, really quite fresh and different. So that's the full moon in Pisces. Did we we mentioned it was ten degrees? Yeah, so that's um, that's the lunation, the full moon of this month, and I think. Um, I might do a Kelly here. I think I'm re- going to introduce myself for the next aspects. And that's the sign changes. So that's the next thing for, or am I, I thought Kel was the Venus Saturn. I'm just going to touch on the Venus Saturn. The Venus Saturn, sure. Yeah. Um, which is happening on the same day, September 2nd. Uh, Venus now at about 25 Cancer, Saturn at 25 Capricorn. One of the reasons I wanted to mention this is, in some of the older forms of astrology, this an opposition to the planet Saturn can be one of the more difficult types of aspects that we have. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean everything is bad, but it does mean we might be dealing with um, some more challenging material or we might be like doing things that just have to be done there and then. And one of the reasons I wanted to mention it is I remember back to when Mercury was at the end of Cancer opposing Saturn. And that was uh, around early August, around August 3, literally a month ago. That happened on the last full moon, actually. And that had like a heavier feeling, but I remember having a really productive day because I did a huge amount of filing, which is a Mercury thing. Like I did Saturn stuff, got organized. And I don't just mean like I filed papers in my box to file, which I did do, but I while Mercury had been in cancer, I had accumulated piles of paper all over my office. And I just took time to go through each of the piles and sort and sift and, you know, chuck out or recycle or put where they belong. And there's something about Venus Saturn of that sorting and sifting and put where they belong that's coming in more about relationships, more about the things that do or don't bring pleasure to us because these are more Venus topics now. So Venus opposite Saturn is a clarifying aspect about your priorities with other people. And this can run a whole spectrum of things from Um, you know, who are the people that really matter and are they getting, you know, your best time or not? Are there some limits within a relationship or a professional partnership that aren't being respected that need to be discussed? Or have you got a boundary that, you know, when I think of boundaries in relationships, I always think of my grandfather's farm where having to keep the fences up to keep the cows in was important. But every now and then like a fence would get knocked down and you'd have to go back and kind of rebuild or put the fence back up. And I think sometimes Venus Saturn aspects are like, where are the fences or the boundaries in your relationships? Where have they gotten sloppy? And now how do we firm them up again? Is it the right boundary and we just need to build the fence line exactly where it was? Or because circumstances have changed, does the fence line or the boundary need to change a little bit too? And so I think there's some big questions around partnerships and commitment and people and priorities that will come up uh, under that Venus-Saturn aspect. 
full moons, which are an opposition between the sun and moon, have a little bit of that people and partnership and relationship tone as well. So I think between the two, it's a big day for kind of feeling your way forward and maybe not being super clear, but knowing that there are some conversations or some limits that that could be useful to bring in about Venus Saturn there. Um, do you girls have any thoughts on Venus Saturn? Is it an aspect that you keep an eye on at all? I think, you know, what you were saying, I was thinking about how Venus in Cancer can be, I don't know, somebody who likes to look after and nurture everybody else but forgets themselves and mm. kind of gets into that, not a people-pleasing but a people-comforting kind of role and they forget what they need. And because we've got to remember that all of this is kind of happening with with Mars in Aries square to this too, and that's going to be highlighted over the weekend. So there might be this friction or itchy scratchy or resentment coming up. And those are the boundaries that you were talking about, those fences that need to be put in place so that we, if we're in that Venus in Cancer place, we feel safe and others feel safe too. It's like, okay, I can look after you and I can nurture you to a point, but I have to make sure my cup's full and then I'm filling yours from the overflow of mine, not trying to fill yours from an empty cup, if that makes sense. So it's putting, yeah, it's it's that opposition, that trying to find the right space. Okay, how much do I go into the nurturing and the caring and the looking after Venus in Capricorn and Venus in Cancer, as opposed to Saturn in Capricorn, which is like, okay, well, what's the reality of this? How much can I give and where do my boundaries lie? And where can I logically give anymore? So it's kind of working that out for each of us. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Lishi. Like it's very much, um, you know, Venus in Cancer naturally does want to care and nurture and protect and do for others. And it sort of reminds me a little bit of, you know, um, you know, something my mum used to say when we were kids and she'd be like, well, God helps those who help themselves. And sometimes, Venus in Cancer has to remember that other people can actually help themselves mm. and embracing the no can sometimes be really, you know, that in itself is the boundary placer and where you have been doing too much or giving too much or nurturing too much. And, I mean, I know myself personally sometimes you know, I'm sure a lot of mums would experience this when you're doing things for your kids. Like you could easily just quickly do that thing and do that thing because it's going to be easier and faster to do it yourself. And it's sort of an extension of looking after your kids. And then you get to that point where it's like, well, I actually should probably be enforcing this issue and go, uh, actually, you can pick up those clothes from the floor. You left them there. And so whether that's just the, you know, that simple kind of practical example, or if it's, you know, you've fallen into those like loose habits within your relationship. And I think all relationships, you know, at personal or professional, as you said, Kel, can fall into habits and patterns. And then, you know, you might feel a little bit resentful in some ways or you feel like you're giving much and that energy exchange is a little bit out of balance again. And it's just about mm. like levelling up the how much you're giving and how much you're getting again and having maybe the, the courage in a way to sort of embrace that. And that might mm. be kind of, you know, you know and, mm. and understand that and just have the the confrontation of it too because, you know, these planets are – you know, against each other. And sometimes like I'll, 
you know, in session with people and with these sort of things come up, I might even sort of suggest to them, you know, go out to dinner with this person, whether it's a, or a lunch date, if it's a more of a professional setting, because even in partnership, like at home, for example, we don't really sit opposite each other. But when you go to a restaurant, you're mm. kind of forward. That's just where you naturally go. And so you're in that opposition and you speak and you're engaged and you're face on. And so sometimes that can be more of a, a way to embrace some of those more difficult topics, have a nice meal, a couple of glasses of wine, and before you know it, you're talking about things where you're not distracted by the Venus and Cancer domestics or the habits or the routines that are comfortable. You're a little bit outside of your comfort zone, so you can do these sorts of things. And sometimes that can be really helpful to establish a positive connection while dealing with some stuff that may be a little bit tricky or challenging too. Mm, yeah. yeah, good point, Cass. And I think, you know, as well, one thing that you were talking about, and I remember talking to parents when I was working in early childhood, is trusting other people to have the resilience to mm. look after themselves. And when we get into that over-functioning um, or under-functioning, you know, it's it's that flip-flop, that back and forth. It's working out, okay, if I over-function here, which I never do, but <laughs> I over-function here, um, that means somebody else is forced into under-functioning and, yeah. and mm. lose confidence because of that. And this can be where if I back off a bit, that allows them to come in and, and function. Rise and, up a bit. Mm. Yeah, and, and let me have a rest, have a break. Um yeah, I might have just yeah. given people a little bit of insight into my domestic life, but anyway. No, no, I mean, I think when, it's what happens. I think when you were talking, Cassie, I was like, this is such a thing about parenting. You know, mm -hmm. it's not exclusive to the parenting relationship, but I think you can see it really easily and clearly. The idea yeah. that saying no to your child is sometimes the hardest choice in the moment, but it leads to a better longer term outcome. And, you know, whether it's pick up the stuff on the floor or eat with your like, eat with your mouth closed or look the person in the eye while you're saying thank you to them or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And mm. that idea of it's a little harder in the moment, but it will give you a better structure or foundation in the long run. That's the yeah. essence of this aspect in any kind of relationship that you're dealing with. It's going to be awkward or uncomfortable. Or I've got to say something that's, you know, it's easier if I just don't say it. But if you say it, then you can have some sort of strengthening there. Now, sometimes under a Venus Saturn aspect, you say something that you need to say because it's real and right for you. And the other person doesn't respect what you've said. And that can be a clue that there might be just two different a set of values or priorities here for things to continue in the way that you'd hoped. Um, mm. That can happen in a friendship or a professional partnership or if you're in a, a romantic relationship where you thought everything, you know, you're on the same page and then you realise actually we really have a difference of opinions here. Not every mm. difference of opinions in a relationship is terminal and means the relationship should end, but it's just good to be aware of where you differ and how you see things differently. So... You know, that I think clarity piece. Th that clarity. So anyway, again, this is an mm. aspect that I mean, I think I love this type of aspect, Cass, the way you love the Mars Saturn aspect. So I know we've got other yeah. things to chat about. <laughs> but I just just one more thing. No, the no, just one more thing. I love it. Says the Gemini rising. Brilliant. <laughs> it's just like the maturity piece too. Mm. Like I think these sort of aspects are a little bit easier to handle with maturity doesn't necessarily it has to be with age, but it might be just, you know, it can like, you know, 
you're ready to rise above to the next level with somebody or a situation by having that more challenging conversation to know where the priorities are. Mm. And it's that's maturity, like being able to face something head on mm. and potentially like having like the ultimate outcome is I might have to walk away from this, but I'm okay with that. But I'm respecting you know. myself and if that's the outcome yeah. of respecting myself, then so be it. But it, yeah. And that's something that comes with wisdom and maturity, isn't it? That respect yeah. or love for self does come above, you know, compromising who you are to keep someone else happy or to stay somewhere. The, yeah. I love you, but I love me more. Oh, you know, about one of the best lines. <laughs> one of the best lines. <laughs> While returning the $10,000 ring. <laughs> Is it a diamond ring or a ring with diamonds? Yes. (laughs) For anybody who's not of our age, we are quoting lines from the Sex and the City movie, which we have all seen many, many times. We're women of a certain age and that was part of our uh, adulthood, I guess. It was, yeah, Yeah. it was like the turn of the century and we were all in our very early 20s and we kind of grew up with that stuff. So anyway, Sex and the City. One last thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, just because we're talking about maturity. Oh, I thought it was sex in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that one too. Um, But we're talking about maturity and this is is the third time the Venus in Cancer has come and opposed Saturn in Capricorn since 2018. We had it happen. And so every time recently that Venus in Cancer has gone through here, including that meat grinder last year, there is a sense that this isn't new and it's what I'm, I'm, I'm getting from what you were both saying, what we've been talking about is this might be that, you know, look back to when these have happened. You may be facing realities and you may be levelling up. You may be gaining a new maturity every time this, this happens and it gives you the opportunity this time to have that final clarity because this will be the last time these two meet in these particular signs. So just oh, adding that into. love it. That's a great point, Leash. Okay. Yeah, it could be like the finale of a series of issues potentially. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where you've grown up enough to meet together or perhaps it's time to have the maturity to say sayonara. The conscious uncoupling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love, I love what we oh talk God, about. I'm, I'm coming out of my lines tonight. You're, you're pulling all the 90s stuff out. <laughs> um, so, Cass, continuing this theme of being on fire and witty words and fabulous things to say, <laughs> you're going to tell us about Mercury moving into Libra and Venus moving into Leo. Yeah, so we've got two of our personal planets changing signs and so that definitely provides, you know, a shift in tone to the way that we communicate and relate to other people. So we've got Venus moving into Leo and we've also got Mercury moving into Libra. So I kind of love how this is coming, you know, hot off the heels of Venus Saturn as well, because if you didn't have the whole, you know, Venus Saturn tangent that we've just been on, that's going to really kind of help maybe set us up for then Mercury being ruled by Venus and in Libra, because, you know, Venus in Libra, is, oh, sorry, Mercury in Libra is probably not the most confrontational versions of Mercury. And this is where maybe those conversations can get extended to how we can, you know, negotiate new terms of agreement or perhaps how we can, um, you know, find new ways to, to work together or conversations that help 
you know, gel or combine or working together towards, you know, some you know, relationship, someone or something. So Mercury in Libra, I think, is I think it's quite a lovely placement. You know, people who have Mercury in Libra always just, I don't know, there's just a certain like moorishness or a calmness to the way that they speak. There's something that like, oh, you know, I just like I could be in a crowded room, but I hear that Mercury in Libra and it is just such a, a pleasurable kind of communicator. You know, they just have a way like it's words with honey or they can, you know, seal the deal and you don't know that your deal is being sealed. Like they just have this way about them. You know, they just got this way, which is quite, you know, I don't know. What do you girls think about Mercury and Libra in that way? Well, I have it, so. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> well, you, could, you could, like, get me to do anything, Lishi. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it wasn't always the best thing for everybody, but it was, <laughs> yep. Mine's and every, you know, and you, you know, have that, you know, like a calming in your voice. It's a calmness, you know, like that's, um, you know, a likeable sound. I don't know what other people think about it, but I think it's lovely. A radio voice. Yes. And what about yes. you, Kel? What are your thoughts around the Mercury and Libra? Mercury and Libra, I do think, yeah, it's this beautiful negotiator, diplomat, you know, somebody who can express a point uh, really eloquently, really, you know, mm. clearly. Sometimes they can see both sides of the point of view and other times they can just speak very clearly about a point of view that is going to promote justice or equality or fairness. There's that real, you know, the the... The, the image that keeps pressing in my mind as we're talking is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, mm. the congresswoman out of New York who has Mercury and Libra right on her midheaven. Now, she does have some other fiery placements in her chart that gives her a real sense of that spark and that dynamic quality. But if you listen to her talk, she's incredibly articulate. She's very well-spoken. You may or may not agree with the things that she's saying, but it's hard to sort of say that she's not making a clear point, if you like. And I think it's that feeling of Mercury being in an air sign, but also being in an air sign ruled by Venus, where you get a lot of those ideas coming through where it's like, okay, that, you know, I can, I can listen to that because those, I mean, I'm not saying she's perfect. She's not the only example of it. Obviously, at least you can tell us more about this. You have it. Um, but one thing, one point you said, Cass, that I think is spot on is Mercury and Libra, like, renegotiating or discussing the terms of engagement or the terms of, mm. of an agreement. And it's, is this fair? Is this still appropriate? Um, do we feel that there is a level of like justice or equality, you know, in the way things are going? And I think conversations around those topics are going to be able to happen maybe in a in a balanced way when when Mercury's in Libra. Um so yeah, it's it's a it's gonna be a, a good little placement to look forward to. Yeah, I feel so, Mercury, so seen by you both. Like oh, that was so spot on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean you ter certainly like, you know, in your voice, not just the sound of it, but often in what you say, you are sort of fighting for that equality or the, the mm. justice piece and things like that. It's very part of like your voice and what you, you know, what you share and communicate. Um, yeah, so Mercury being Libra till about the 28th of September. And so that might be like a time to watch even from a social media perspective where 
uh, you know, some of the uh, human rights and uh, Black Lives Matter and different elements of justice that have been, you know, part of the conversation, you know, this year and in recent months might start to be elevated again or sort of be put up front. Because, you know, with COVID and all different things happening in the world, like, there's just we're just being pulled in so many like opposite directions we might see more of that sort of come to the fore again during this transit well especially because mercury and libra is going to be opposing mars towards the end and squaring all those things you know especially towards the end of its time in libra there is going to be that tension and that Mm. i think you know what you're both saying about justice and about fairness like for me ever since a child things had to be fair it didn't matter as long as it Mm. was fair and the truth had to be out there there's this thing about yeah truth too and my name literally means truth seeker. So mm. it's that kind of seeing of, okay, what's the truth of the matter? But doing it in a way that's fair and balanced and allows everybody to have a voice. You know, I love uh, being on the board of AFAN. It's a consensus network. So this is an astrological networking association and it's it's consensus. And my Mercury and Libra loves it because everybody has a voice and we don't agree to do every, anything, anything until everybody agrees. So yeah. we never move forward. So it can be that actually it's held back. But meanwhile, we've got Mars in Aries going, well, come on, let's drive it forward. So it's this back and forth perhaps with these that the tension will lie in days ahead. But for now, I think it's really lovely to just have that charming diplomatic voice to add to the fray and perhaps get things done in that way. Mm. One one quick technical thing on Mercury and Libra. When Mercury gets to the end of Libra, it's actually going to be going into shadow because Mm -hmm. Mercury's next retrograde will end at the end of Libra in November. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like we've got about two weeks of Mercury and Libra before it gets into the shadow where we can do a lot of this, you know, great negotiation and sort of fair-based discussion and then Mercury starts to get into a little bit more. I think, you know, the idea of revisiting topics from the past or going deeper or conversations starting that then might take longer to resolve or complete, that kicks in later in September when Mercury is then in the shadow part of its time in Libra. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? Okay. Venus Cass. in Leo. Venus in Leo. Yeah. And I guess, you know, Mercury in Libra will be looking to Venus in Leo. So during, you know, uh, pretty much the entire uh, transit. So, you know, all the things that we've been saying may even be a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. But Venus in Leo in of herself is, you know, when I see Venus in Leo, and I think this is, you know, sometimes – a, a bit of a signature in Venus in most of the fixed signs. You know, Venus in Leo has a a real awareness of who she is, what she's worth, and, you know, loves to sort of adorn herself. You know, she's not afraid of luxury. She's not afraid of some of the, you know, the trinkets or the, the luxurious qualities that, uh, you know, Leo often likes to indulge in. And so Venus in Leo can be a time where we can enjoy a little bit of that um, in of ourselves. Um, You know, just that little, you know, we are all a little bit kind of restricted into many of the pleasures and enjoyment that we would normally take for granted. And so 
Venus and Leo might be that time where we can enjoy, you know, just a little bit of extra sugar or a little bit of extra, you know, well, it could be eating it, but just a little bit of, you know, the sprinkles on top, so to speak, or a little bit of luxury that we haven't been able to access or tap into, um, you know, due to, you know, recent events and things. What do you girls think about Venus and Leo? What are you looking forward to um, with this transit? Leash? I just think it's that continuation of Leo season and yeah. the, the fire it continues to bring in all of this. Mm. And I don't know, just that she is such a pleasure seeker in Venus mm. in Leo. Like this is kind of abandonment to to thrills in many ways. And um, I think it's Madonna who has Venus in Leo, she doesn't does. she? Yeah, she does. I'm just yeah. looking up some charts of people with Venus in Leo and yeah, I was just doing Madge the same. is definitely on the list. Yeah, yeah. And and Jennifer Lawrence, I think as well from memory, it's these kind of people who throw themselves in there and just kind of don't really care what other people think in many ways. And it's this abandonment to pleasure. It's like, I'm going to have fun and damn the consequences. You know, I might have a hangover tomorrow, but for tonight or for today, let's just have the pleasure of being here Mm. and being in the moment. And, you know, Venus always loves little luxuries anyway, but definitely with Leo, you know, this is somebody who likes to do luxuries on a bigger scale. Um, So allowing ourselves to do this and to have this, and maybe it will, you know, if we do end up, you know, I know many places are still in lockdown or back in lockdown, this might be a little bit add to cart on the the luxury goods. Um, yeah, that's or, it. Or yeah. being a bit, bit careful about doing that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's kind of my quick take a, on that. What like about an, an adornment piece yes. there, you know, buying that one lipstick that just makes you feel amazing. Yeah. I mean. Or, like, the, or the Birkin uh, handbag, you know, like those really beautiful <laughs> I remember the like, women that used to come in when I worked in fine dining in Sydney years ago. They used to come into the restaurant I had and their handbags had their own little chair so that they didn't have to put their handbags down on the floor. Oh, wow. Like that's so Venus that's in Venus Leo. That's Venus in Leo. Yeah. I it's mean, a bit the, diva. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I think about with Venus in Leo, um, especially when I think of some of the women who have Venus in Leo, like Whitney Houston, uh, Barbara Walters, Coco Chanel, and even um, I'm going to probably pronounce her surname incorrectly, so I apologize. Um, Malala Yousafzai, um, the Pakistani human rights activist, the, mm. the young girl that was shot. Uh, all of these women, you know, they sort of end up in these leadership roles. Like they sort of become these real figureheads. I mean, I think about Barbara Walters and her like breaking the glass ceiling in her journalism career, for instance. And Whitney Houston being incredibly successful in the 80s when it was very hard um, for artists of colour or black artists to get known and she was more successful than white, you know, than, than musicians that were in like white groups of men, basically. She was so amazingly successful in the 80s. And, of course, Coco Chanel with, you know, I think that example, if you like, that that mash of being a leader in their field but also you know, being in the fashion industry as well. And Coco Chanel comes from very humble upbringing but was able to sort of parlay uh, her way into, you know, this sort of enduring type legacy. So there's something about Venus in Leo that to me me speaks of sort of feminine-inspired strength or leadership as well. It's that idea, 
you know, of, of those two kind of coming together. So it's very queenly. It's very queen, that regal mm. sovereign kind of quality. Uh, and the constancy yeah. each of them had mm. to have. The enduring in their kind of quality. Yeah. And what they were able to bring to the table. And look, Whitney didn't so much, but her talent never waned. It wasn't, mm. it was the other, you know, and she had that beautiful, strong, bold voice of Venus in Leo. That never went. Um, but, yeah, just the con- – like, look at Madge, like Madonna. Like, she's mm. still belting them out. Like, that constancy of Leo that keeps yeah. on going. She she said – she um, gave a speech a few years ago and she said the most controversial thing I've ever done was to stick around. Yeah. And I think, you know, out of all the women that we've spoken about with Venus and Leo, they de- definitely have that staying power. Again, that fixed fire, like that enduring yeah. uh, legacy even. Mm. And from that, the feminine legacy perspective as well. So Yeah, it just keeps think- showing up. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a very kind of powerful, queenly. Um, There's a real strength, isn't it? Like I yeah. love that quote by Madge. Like the what was it? The most radical, the most thing controversial, she, controversial, thing. controversial thing I've ever done was to stick around. Yeah, because mm. I think okay. she does have Venus very tightly configured with Uranus in Leo from memory. Mm. So um, again, the she controversy. Kept and kept reinventing herself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's definitely Venus in Leo. And, um, you know, personal confession here, like if I have to attend to domestics in my home, I do it with lipstick on. Like I'll get like. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And if you are in lockdown, if you are feeling miserable, you know, as Marilyn Monroe, just pour yourself a glass of champagne and put your lipstick on. Maybe it's Elizabeth Taylor, I don't know, but one of those kind of classic women that were all about the elegance and the finery and those luxuries, you know, put on that lipstick that just makes you feel a million bucks and go do your vacuuming. Oh my she God, reminds me it. of Nancy Wake. And then I think the- of uh, Freddie Mercury, like in drag in that video, you know, like uh, pushing the vacuum cleaner. What was that video? I want to break free. And then I get that song in my head. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> Another Leo, but anyway. Um, so you got to say something, Leishi? Oh, no, just Nancy Wake, who was like a spy. She was an Australian mm. who fought for the French resistance yeah. in the war and she she would jet in and out of like, or be not jet, they didn't have jets back then, but be dropped from aeroplanes um, in and out of Britain and France. And the two things she always carried with her was a tube of red lipstick and a red satin pillow. They were the things wow. she had to have. And she had, she was uh, Mercury and Leo. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. just this sense of like you, the red lips and it actually helped her get um, it helped to fight the Germans because mm. she was able to get past them and slip past them. They just thought she was this pretty French girl um, when she was actually a major resistance leader. So, wow. yeah. Wow, I love it. So interesting. Red lippy can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking about all the lipsticks I've loved before. <laughs> 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 they do me. <laughs> I remember this my okay. 21st, I got given a Versace one of the best lipstick I've ever worn. I don't know if they make makeup anymore, but anyway. Alrighty, so we could talk about Moving makeup along. forever. We really I could. could. But what's next? Uh, the next aspect is Mars Station Retrograde, 11th of September. So here we are. Yep, yep. I think I'm talking about that, aren't I? 
We've arrived. We have been waiting for this all year. Uh, okay, yeah. hit us with it, Leishi. Give us so the news. this is happening at 28 degrees of Aries and look, um, we've we've tapped into this, we've talked about this, we've already kind of alluded to so much about this, but there is really this sense, especially on the station, of frustration, of impatience. You know, Mars is a planet that wants to go forwards. In Aries, he just wants to go forwards and fast. And it's like the soldier who is screaming to get into battle and someone's holding him back or he can't move or he's stuck in the mud and there's this, or or even a, um, a racing car kind of spinning its wheels. And for, you know, Mars is our energy, Mars is action. It's what drives us forwards. And for now it's like, you're not going anywhere. You know, you're kind of stuck right here. You have to stay here and wait until there's a little bit of momentum. And that momentum will be backwards for now. And that momentum's going to be backwards running back into Saturn again. And it's still within that whole area of Saturn. And right now it's in the bounds in terms of Saturn. So it's like poor old Mars in this place. The analogy I was, I've been using for this is like it's in a boxing match where you've got your back against the ropes and you're kind of trying to go, right, how do I get off this? What do I need to do? Um, you can't just come back up fighting. You kind of have to get your feet back on the ground again properly before you can get the momentum and the inertia to kind of fight back. So I just get this feeling of especially the the time around this, because when the moon moves into Aries the weekend before, so we're kind of talking the fourth and the fifth, it's tapping into this already. And then the next weekend when the moon is in Cancer and squaring this, it's going to really highlight and and bring this to the fore. But yeah, we're talking about this retrograde, um, you know, it's going to be lasting all the way through until the 13th, is it 13th, 14th of November? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 14th of November. So it's going all the way back to 15 degrees of Aries. So for many of us, it's getting to know that area of your chart even more and tapping in to the inner fire, looking into our inner belly, that inner fire to see really what's in there and trying to understand. And I also think it's it's learning to look behind us in this area of our chart, because this can be a part of our chart where we don't look backwards, where we don't head backwards because it's Aries. It's like, let's just go forwards here. So it's like, okay, what's behind me? What did I learn from the past? Or, or what's on the back burner? What projects have I just left there and forgotten about that might be bubbling over that I need to kind of bring back in? But yeah, especially with the satin piece, it's like, okay, know that we don't have that much energy right now know that there's only so much we can do and just do those things and do them well and take all expectations about what amount of energy you've got off the table and just do what you can do and take time out to rest if you need to. So yeah, that's kind of a start to things. I'm sure you girls have got lots to add. Um, I guess just 
two things is that Mars does go retrograde every two years. So Mars being retrograde itself is not unusual. It's not something, you know, that you'll never have experienced before because all of our listeners have had this Mars, you know, it's literally every two years Mars goes retrograde. He's just Mm. in a different sign or a different place in the zodiac. And it is that idea of a slower pace or going back over, you know, territory that you've recently gone over. So it's like a redo, something's incomplete. I love those points you were making about like dealing with unfinished business, Leish. Um, And so, yeah, it's about two months and just think about um, the Aries part of your chart and either slowing down or being patient in that area of of our life. The the things that are unique about this Mars retrograde are the links to Saturn, which I know we talked a lot about in our previous episode. Um, So that's that's all I wanted to add. I think you did a great job, Leish, of talking about that. Cass, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't know. I just keep thinking about the idea of the frayed ends of sanity. <laughs> the frayed like ends of be... sanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Metallica song. But anyway, um, yeah, and I think like this Mars stationing, the tension and the frustration that that will bring up for people could mm. feel like, you know, your ends of sanity are really quite frayed, all things given. But one thing that I you know, I know to be true about retrogrades and I see it happen each time, you know, as you said, Kel, regardless of the sign that it's in, is that even though Mars is, you know, stationing, it's about to go retrograde for, you know, a few months, what I find tends to happen in Mars, you know, Mars is in this erratic and unpredictable state when it's retrograde. And so what tends to happen it's not always just about going slow or going in reverse because I think sort of what seems to happen with Mars is you can really like oscillate between like frantic energy and then lethargy and there is this like ping back between got to do all the things and then I haven't got any energy to do anything and I'm just like really curious to sort of like live this experience and to wonder because it's Aries will that feeling or that tension be more um polarizing like the extreme frantic energy versus the extreme I've run out of gas you know like I've pulled over on the side of the road and I can't go anywhere so Mm. I think just as a tip for people you know be mindful of trying to maybe conserve your energy or you know at least you know cut away things that are going to deplete it or just yeah just try and just find maybe some type of cruise control as opposed to pedal to the metal or, oh, I've only got like, you know, my petrol lights coming on or my gas light and I need to drive my car gingerly. So it's just finding that kind of uh, economic fuel consumption with your own personal energy. Yeah, that's a really good point actually, Cass, about that erratic nature of the retrograde um, and just... Yeah, like one of the things I find is Mars likes a mission too. So if you are mm. in that, you know, where it is overcompensating or going a bit crazy, give it a bit of a mission, you know, go do some exercise or or give it that project to focus on, like we were talking about last episode, so that you can drive that energy into something productive rather than exploding with irritation or anger or frustration. So, Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that's given everybody some food for thought, particularly uh, over the 
next two weeks and uh, this Mars retrograde station. So before we quickly wind up the episode, uh, would you both like to share with us some of your um, astro happenings in each of your worlds? Any uh, classes or webinars sure. or what have you popping up? Yeah, my next uh, four-part class on chart interpretation starts on Monday, September 14. It's the uh, course on moon phases, personality, and special chart configurations. So it's course three in a series of three courses about birth chart interpretation. So for my students who've been working with me over the course of the year, we're getting to that point of adding all those little extra bells and whistles into birth chart interpretation interpretation. And it would be suitable for intermediate students who have previously studied aspects uh, and want to go a little further and looking at how do the moon phases affect uh, birth chart interpretation, but also some of the special chart configurations that really we should be considering. So that training is a four-part online training starting Monday, September 14. And the info to sign up for that is on my website. What do you Fantastic. guys have going on? And I did that course, must have been about three years that ago. Was a few and years it was ago, awesome. Leash. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of as I was getting back into things. It was a really good refresh um, and also some new techniques. So yeah, it's it's not just for the intermediate student. I could definitely recommend it for the more advanced or people wanting to brush oh, up their knowledge. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Speaking um, of going over old territory, <laughs> <laughs> revisiting that course. What about you, Leash? Have you got anything coming up? Yes. Um, well, I definitely have my Mars retrograde webinar. So for those wanting to understand more about that, that's available on my website to download. Um, I will be doing some kind of webinar at this stage. I'm tossing up. I'm thinking about maybe doing the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the end of the year. But yeah, um, watch this space for what that webinar will be. Fantastic. Be, yeah. yeah. And what about you, Cass? Oh, I've got things, nothing to announce right now. Of course, consultations are available and also um, memberships to my Golden Circle Club, which has all my monthly um, astro updates, which you also have something along similar lines to Kel. Mm-hmm. And I'm no doubt Alicia will very soon. So <laughs> anyway, well, that's all the insights for, not all of them, some of them are the highlights, I should say, for uh, the first two weeks of September. So until next week, we look forward to seeing you then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, gals. <laughs>